Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. First Corinthians 13. And though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and of understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could even move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and it endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where are the tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but then that which is perfect has come. That which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall know face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide in these faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is Love. First Corinthians 13. And um, pretty famous portion of scripture there. It's almost, it's almost just really poetic in nature, this, uh, this talk that Paul gives us about love. And, but I want to take a second and put it in reverse and see what he's talking about right before he talks about love. And in chapter 12, and I'm going to start with verse 4. He's really talking to the church, and he's talking about gifts. And he says this, there there are different diversities of gifts, but there's the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities in activity, but there is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to whom one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, To another, gifts and healings by the same Spirit. A little bit of a pattern establishing here. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body also in Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized in one body, 
whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and having all drinking of the same one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And so should the foot say, because I'm not a hand, I have no place in the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is there not therefore in the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? So let's skip down now to 26. And if one member suffers, then all members suffer. Or if one member is honored, then all members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and the members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, there's miracles, there's healings, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of different tongues. All are, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all these gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, I will show you a more excellent way. Interesting. Here, Paul is writing this letter. And he is writing this letter to the church. And the church, he's really teaching as, as like a father to the kids. He's teaching them how to grow up in the faith. He's teaching them different things about the church, how uh, they are supposed to act, how uh, different things are supposed to function inside of the church building and outside as Christians in their community. And so he begins to talk to them about gifts. He, He begins to tell them, hey, listen, there's unity in our diversity. There's all these different types of gifts, yet the same God. And so I think if it was like in today's, uh, modern tone, if Paul was to get up here and give you an example, he would say something like this. Listen, there's, there's all types of cars. There's, there's all types of makes and models of cars. There's red ones and blue ones and yellow ones, and there's cars and there's trucks, and, but they all, all have this one thing in common. They're all vehicles. Their all point is to provide transportation. And see, some cars go really fast, and some aren't cars at all, but some are trucks, and they haul heavy loads. And so does the Porsche say to the Silverado, hey, because I can't haul 2,000 pounds, I'm no good? No, certainly not. Or does the Silverado say to the Porsche, hey, because I can't go as fast as you, I have no use? He's saying, listen, there's all these different functions, and yet it's all for the same purpose, and there's different ways, and there's different gifts that God has given to his members. And that your gift may be different from my gift. And it may look completely different. You may be a pickup truck. I may be a Ford Taurus. You know, I could get gas mileage or something. And who wants to be a Taurus? Seriously. Um, (laughs) Seriously. But there are. There's Tauruses in the faith. And um, and I'm probably one of them. Anyway, um, so there's all these, these differences of gifts. There's all these differences of expression, but Paul's saying, listen, in the midst of all this, what can seemingly look like separation, there is a unity, and that unity is Jesus Christ, the one that brings us all together. And what's amazing is he's talking about, he's talking to a church about the use of their gifts, how to use them, and then he stops. 
he stops and says, all that's great. And I want you to desire all of those spiritual gifts. I want you to be great at whatever it is that God has given you to do. But in the midst of everything that you're doing, in the midst of all of these gifts, let me show you an even more excellent way. And then chapter 13. And then this, this kind of dissertation on love. He's saying, listen, in the midst of all of your action, in the midst of all of your giving, it's all about love. And even though you could speak with the tongues of angels, even though you are so gifted, every, when you walk down the road, people clap their hands and, oh, man, they are just the, the Michael Jordan of whatever they do. You are amazing. You are so gifted. But if it doesn't matter how good you are. If there's no love, you're like this clinging symbol. You're making a lot of noise, but it's not really helping anyone. And, and though you may have all these other gifts and you can give your body to be burned, you could give everything you own to the poor, you could, you could work endlessly 24 hours day and night doing all you can, but God's saying if you don't have love, it, it's nothing. And so he's teaching the church. And in the midst of his teaching about unity and diversity, he stops. He stops to say, let's not forget what it's all about. And if you're not working and doing all these things in love, it's going to lead you down the wrong path. And so what's amazing here is that there's this pause in his teaching because then in chapter 14, he picks it right back up. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. He's saying, and he goes right back in and ta- into talking about the gifts and how we should use them and, and, and their place in the church. So there's this kind of break in the middle of his teaching, and the break is all about love. But then, there's even in chapter 13, there's another break, because he's giving this, this talk about what love is and what it's not, and love never fails, and love is, uh, believes all things, hope all things, is perfect. But then, he says this, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's kind of odd that he would say that. Because really, Paul, what are you getting at here? What are you trying to say? Because that really, uh, you're talking about how you're ma- maturing here when you were a child. How does that kind of fit into? Cause, so there's two kind of pauses here. There's, there's his teaching to the church on gifts, unity of gifts, and how we should use them. He pauses to say, wait a minute, in the midst of all of this pursuing spiritual gifts, Let's remember that it's all about love. And without love, none of the rest of this matters. But even in the midst of his talking about love, he pauses to say, wait, but let me remind you of this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I acted like a child, but whenever I became a man, I put away childish things. It seemingly doesn't fit into the context of his letter. It's kind of random. So the question is, what is he trying to say? What is Paul trying to say? We'll get back to that in a second. Um, January, we will celebrate three years as a church. And um, it has been a pretty cool journey thus far. We've had lots of ups and downs, and we've gone from meeting at uh, uh, the living room to meeting in the, the bar uh, at Stars Grill, which was awesome, which was really cool, to, to meeting here, to having services uh, over Ocean Island, all different types of things. So it's been a really cool journey. But for the most of uh, the first probably real 
two years, I would say, of our church, um, God really had us dealing with hurt Christians. People that had um, come out of the church life, uh, they had been a part of the church in the past, um, but in some way had really been hurt by the church. And so for the first beginning of the ministry, we were dealing a lot with, with hurt Christians. Um, and so a lot of just healing, a lot of you know forgiveness, a lot of just patching wounds. And um, I kind of have a, a philosophy about that. And, and that's this. A lot of people kind of look at the church and they can say, hey, the church is like a hospital where, you know, the, bring me the hurt and the sick and we'll take care of them, um, which it's true. But I don't look at the church as a hospital. I look at the church more as a battleship with a hospital on board. So the purpose of coming to church is not just so you could get healed. The purpose of coming to church is not so just so you could learn about healing and how to use your, the gifts and all this stuff and forgiveness. But the purpose of the church is for you to get healed to then put you back into the game. That now, okay, now that you've gotten here, let's get back into the action. And so I look at it as, as a battleship. Hospital is part of what we do here, but it's just a part. It's not the whole. We're not getting you healed just so life can be a little bit more enjoyable. We're getting you healed so you can get back into the game. And what I've noticed um, within not just kind of Christianity within not just this church, but kind of um, our area, church as a whole, uh, is some concerns. And the, one of the main concerns I have is that there's a lot of Christians that just give up way too easily. That there are a lot of Christians that have been a part of the faith for years and give up and just throw in the towel um, way, way too easily. Um, this, uh, this last week, we had um, uh, a certain donor that um, doesn't even come to the church here but um, just loves the church, and they had been given uh, throughout the years some money uh, over the internet to the church, and we kind of saved all that money and collected it throughout the year so we could buy this drum set, and this is just this, we, we were borrowing my brother's drum set for like the last three years, and he was having to like break it down and set it up, so he was just so gracious to let us use it, but we were like, we're finally going to get a drum set, so we got the money, and we, we purchased this drum set, but I called in, I did the like the ultimate thing that a musician's not supposed to do is I like ordered it without playing, and that's, you know, no true magician, magician, musician, <laughs> I guess if you're a drummer, it is more, anyway, um, <laughs> But I ordered it off of the internet, and whenever I ordered it, um, the guy on the phone didn't write down uh, my address right. So I get the receipt uh, email, and I just notice, hey, they're, the address is wrong. So I'm like, let me just call them to make sure that it gets delivered to the right address. And it was like the biggest deal in the world to try to get them to change my address. Like, I'm sorry, sir, it's already in the system. Um, we can't change it. I'm like, well, it's, excuse me, the wrong street name. Like, I, I need to have the drums. And then for the rest of the conversation, they kept assuring me that, that it's okay, sir. Like, if it doesn't get delivered to your address, they'll just send it back to us. We'll refund your money. It, it's not a problem. And that, let me speak to your manager. The next manager was the same thing. If, 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 if it doesn't arrive, FedEx will just bring it back to us. We'll refund your money. It's no risk to you. I'm like, listen, you guys don't get it. It's not about the money. You have drums. I don't. 
you want money, I have it. Here's the money, I want the drums. Like, and like it just they couldn't click within no matter who I talked to. They just kept reassuring me that I could give it back. It's easy returns. And I just, no, I don't want to return it. I want the drums, and I want them to be at my house. So, like, whatever. And I finally got a hold of one guy that was like, you know, he, he had a, a, a moment, I guess, of imagination where he's like, okay, well, this is what I can do. I'll run down to the warehouse, and just whenever it comes out in our system, I'll rewrite it with the right address. I'm like, Thank you so much. You know, I, w- I don't care what you have to do. I mean, it doesn't matter to me if you have to piggyback them to get to the house or a horse, bu- horse buggy and carriage. Just give me my drums. And um, lo and behold, like, they didn't put the right address on them. And, you know, but luckily FedEx is smarter than the music store. And we got the drums, of course, as you can see. But the whole time I'm talking to all these people that work for this company, it was all about how I could return the drums. Easy returns. You can return it. No problem. No risk to you. No risk at all. Don't worry. Your, your money's not going to be lost without ever trying to sell me the drums. Now, I had the complete opposite experience when I went to go buy a chair uh, here at Ashley's Furniture. They had this cool, this little blue chair, and I wanted it uh, just for studying at the house because Devin doesn't like when I have the light on at night. And... Um, so there's a chair, but there was just the floor model. So it was, like, discounted and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my area, discounts, you know, 40% off. That's what I'm talking about. And then I've, I'm trying to talk the guy down even more, which I did, of course, because I don't buy nothing unless it's on sale. I mean, I don't care how long it's going to take. It's going to be cheaper because I ain't paying it. I gotta, I'm a very cheap pastor, so our money goes a long way. Anyway, so, but the guy's saying, listen, if I sell you this one, you have to understand there is no returns. There is no money back. If you walk out this door and it gets run over by a car, you're out of luck. It's like, I don't care what happens. If you sit in it the next time and it just blows up, it's your chair. And they made me, like, sign this waiver that says, I won't return the chair. I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. You know, just, just give me the chair. It works. It's fine right now. I will take full responsibility. But, I mean, but they were adamant that there is no returns, in which I think Jesus is a little bit more like that furniture store than he is the music shop. When you came to God, he said, you know what? When you accept me, you're going to die that you may live. And whenever you got baptized, you were saying, that's it. I'm going under the end of me. The end of my will, I'm signing on the dotted line, and whenever I come up, Lord, it's not my life, but it's yours. No returns. No returns. God, I'm yours, no matter what's in store for me. And I think the next time that we baptize people, I'm going to hold them under. (laughs) Just for a few seconds. Because, you know, usually we just kind of dip. Like, that's not good enough. Next time, a good 15 seconds. Hold your breath, because I want you to experience death. And I want you to grasp that next breath of air like you want Jesus. Because that's what God wants. And you think I'm joking, but baptisms, whoever would like to sign up, next week, sign up in the back. But we live in this world of, easy, of just easy returns. 
Jesus has become an easy return. And what I have found is it's not so much that people fall away from Christ because of the big issues. You would think it's because of things like a death of a spouse or a death of a child or maybe bankruptcy or cancer. You would think that these would be things that would maybe cause people to fall, but it's not. What I've noticed is these are things that people are growing even stronger with. But where people are falling is because of the things of, oh, I didn't get the job. Or I, our water just got cut off this week. What are we going to do? Or I got laid off. Somebody stole the radio in my car. Where is God? Where was he at? Or you didn't notice my new hat. And people are falling away from the little things. Because it's easy returns. And when something, this, our world just collapses. And we don't know what to do. What, what are we going to do if the, the water, it's, it's going to be okay. Our world collapses. But we want to change. But the thing is, we love, to cha- we love the idea of change, but not change. Uh, we love to watch movies where the underdog wins it. We love to watch things uh, or read stories of like David and Goliath, where the little guy goes out and beats the big guy. Um, we love to, to go to plays of just great romance and great sacrifice. The movie Braveheart is awesome. But the thing is, we don't want to go through what they went through. Um, because it's easier just to give up. It's easier just to kind of complain to our friends than really affect change. Because the last time that we tried to step out, the last time we tried to be different and affect change, the last time we got hurt. And that hurt often wasn't just from the world, but that hurt was from the church. And so we retreat. And if we haven't completely given up and thrown in the towel, we just sit on the bench. And we just wait things out. And we live our lives through other people's experiences. And we hear other people's stories and other people's tales of them killing giants and them walking out onto the field and them doing everything that we wish we could do. And we live our lives through them. All along, we've either thrown in the towel or we are sitting on the bench. Has this been your experience? Have you given up? Have you been hurt just one too many times and you can't do it again? Have you been disappointed time and time again and you just hurt? And even the thought of giving, getting back in the game is, have you just become content with watching others play? Or are you ready to move on? Are you ready to get back in the game? Are you ready to get discharged from the hospital and take up your post again and work and do inside that gifting that God has gifted you with? Now, before you answer that, let's go back to Corinthians. And Paul is writing this letter to a church, and he's really teaching them how to live and how to follow Christ. And he's speaking the truth. And the fact is, if you begin to read a lot of Paul's letters, a lot of the truth that he speaks, it could come out very, very harsh. He is very 
this is the way it is. He's very hardcore. And um, the thing is, some of you guys were presented with the truth as well, except for you were presented with an encounter with the truth, and it wasn't a good one. You didn't walk away saying, wow, that was amazing, that was truth, that was life into me, but you walked away and you felt even worse than when you entered the room. Many of you have been presented with a truth where the preacher is preaching and he's preaching angry and he's preaching mad and you are going to hell and there are those guys on the street corners with the bullhorns and if you don't repent, you're going to hell, blah, 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 blah. And the idea and that thought of Christianity really just sickens you. And then there's that person that uses the Bible as their own personal kung fu to show how bad you are. Well, let me show you. But here's the problem. A lot of what they are saying is true. A lot of what they are saying is true. And so you're kind of like, uh, I, I just can't be associated with that. The things that they're saying may be true, but you leave feeling condemned, not convicted. And you're saying, well, look, Lucas, there's, the Bible is full of exactly what you're talking about. The Bible is full of men and women that are yelling on the street corners. And John the Baptist saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The Bible is full of harsh language. Paul himself uses all type of harsh language in the Bible. There's all types of moments where it's just like, they are speaking the truth, and it is like a dagger to the heart. Just like, wow. And so what you're saying is kind of contradictory to what's happening in the Bible. But here's the thing. There's an aspect of these men and women's life that we are missing. And that's this, that they are speaking the truth in love. And that makes all the difference in the world. And here is my take on it, that the severity of your tone should match the love in your heart. And if the severity of your tone doesn't match the love in your heart, you've missed it. Because that's what Paul is saying here in this letter. All of these gifts and all of these talents and all the things that you may be saying that is true, if there's no love, you're just condemning people to hell because it makes you feel good. And so that pastor that may be angry and mad, and he may be saying all the right things, but if the tears in his eyes don't match the conviction in his voice, something is wrong. Because John the Baptist would cry in the wilderness and say, repent, because it matched his humility when Christ took over and he was put in jail and he was beheaded. Jeremiah could prophesy destruction to a land because it matched every tear and every cry that he was saying, come and get right with God. Paul's words may seem harsh at times. They may seem confrontational. They may seem stern, but they were matched by the wounds on his back. He was beaten time and time again for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of love. Mother Teresa could get in front of Congress and silence everyone and say abortion is wrong. And no one would dare say a word against her. You know why? Because she lived it. She said, bring me your children. I'll take care of them. Martin Luther King could speak against racism because he lived it day in and day out. Billy Graham could stand in front of millions and bring conviction because he lived convicted. It was the truth in love.
and it makes all the difference in the world. But yet we live in a world that says you could say whatever you want, however you want it, just because the words are true. We want to kill the giant, but we don't, walk, we don't want to walk out on the field alone with just a slingshot and a stone. We want to stand against injustice, but we don't want to get off the couch. We want all of the gifts, but none of the love. We want to speak the truth. We want to prophesy. We want that faith that can move mountains. We want to rescue humanity, but we want nothing to do with love. And here, there seems to be a great divide in America. It seems like there's either one or the other. There's the experience of where it's all about truth to where there's no love at all. Or whether it's all about love where there's no truth at all. And so here's the thing. When you have truth with no love, it leaves you angry and frustrated and condemned. And when you have love with no truth, It leaves you empty. Have you experienced one of these? Truth without love or love without truth? The two are married because love will always cost you something. There is a price to love. For God so loved that he gave. For God so loved that he gave. Love will have you in tears at night. Love will take you to the ends of the earth and back again. Love will cost you every penny you got and every minute of every day. Love means no returns, no refunds, no exchanges. Love means you were baptized and you signed on the dotted line that it is not my life, Lord. It is yours. Love means saying no to the good so that you could have the best. Love means saying no to cheating on your spouse. Love means saying no to the shady business deal. Love means saying no to sex before marriage. Love suffers long. Love doesn't envy. Love does not behave rudely. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. Love never fails. But where there's prophecies and there's tongues and there's great giftings and there's wonderful people, they'll fail. But love never fails. Truth and love walk hand in hand. So could it be that in the midst of Paul's talking on gifts and unity that he pauses and he pauses to return to love because after all without love we are nothing. And in the midst of that talk about love he pauses again And he talks about what it is to be a mature believer. That when he was a child, he acted like a child. But when he became a man, he put away childless things. Could he be saying this? Could he be defining maturity as this? True maturity is knowing how to use your gift in love. 
true maturity is knowing how to use your gift and loved. True maturity is not just having truth, not just having love, but having truth and love together, knowing how to use your gift in love. We are all gifted. They're different gifts. There's different manifestations, but the same spirit. One body with many members. Are you using your gift in love? Or would you rather just be a clanging symbol? Because clanging symbols get lots of attention. But they get annoying after a while. Or have you just thrown in the towel? Or have you just decided to sit on the sideline? And so my question this morning for you, church, is are you ready to mature in your faith? Are you ready to get off of the sidelines and back into the game? Because I believe that that's where God is leading us as a church, into a season of maturity. Whereas for a long time, it was really dealing with the hurt and the pain. But now I kind of feel like God's saying, you know what? Now it's time to get back in the game. Here are your walking papers. Forgiveness. Just forgive. If you're still dealing with it, deal with it. Just forgive. Move on. Don't be trapped by that any longer. That hurt, that pain, that keeps you on the sideline, it's time to give it back to God. It's time to say, you know what? I'm making myself vulnerable again. God, my life is yours. I'm ready to get back into the game. But let me prepare you. Go ahead and let you know that it's not easy. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some words that seem, seem kind of harsh. It's what we all experience called growing pains. And see, this Bible teaches us that we are be, be to made in his image and his likeness. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be made in his image and his likeness, uh, somebody's got to change, either him or me, and it, it's not going to be him. And so a lot of the things that God deals with me are really corrective in nature. A lot of the times God says, all right, Lucas, uh, you want to live more like me, you need to get this right. And sometimes I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but Lord, I went under the water and I died. I said, you know what, I, I might not understand all of these things, why I might not, but my life is yours. And here's the good news, that if it is done in love, if the words that I speak to you week after week is done with love in my heart, it will lead to life and life more abundant. There might be some things that the Lord is dealing with you and correcting in your life, but it doesn't lead to condemnation. That's called conviction. And that's God making you more like him. And it means giving up some of the good so that you can have the best. And let me tell you right now, the best comes at a high price. It is not cheap. Grace is not cheap. It will cost you everything. And the Bible is very clear on that. God wants it all. Every bit of it. So think about that. I'm asking you now to stand with me. We're going to worship. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
Come on, be safe. 